I love that reading that Diane just shared. What you missed the day you were absent from fourth grade. Can you imagine? That was your fourth grade experience. Mrs. Nelson teaches the fourth graders how to stand still and listen to the wind. Ways to remember your grandfather's voice. How to feel at home. So let's take a moment and look back on your life up to this point and think of someone who taught you something about how to have a meaningful life. Perhaps a teacher, a parent, a sibling, a neighbor, a stranger. A time when someone helped you to ground your life or recenter your life or expand your life. So how fabulous to be on the receiving end of wisdom, to gain insight from other lives lived. You do not have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to figure out for yourself how to make the shepherd's pie taste so good. You are part of the great flow of knowledge from one person to the next, from one generation to the next. So while you are listening to that reading about a day in Mrs. Nelson's class, Perhaps you imagined yourself as one of those fourth graders, discovering a relationship with the wind. Or as you heard about that day in fourth grade, perhaps you felt a longing for that experience, a longing to have an elder in your life who would teach you to listen to the wind. We have not all had a Mrs. Nelson. Sometimes you've had to learn all by yourself or learn something much later in life than you would have liked to. And here, here we all are, all carrying all of our lessons learned, lessons learned from school, from adventure, from mistakes, from scars. So much wisdom in this room about what it means to be human. So perhaps while listening to that reading, you imagined yourself as Mrs. Nelson sharing what has added to the richness of your life. So picture yourself teaching the kids in this church, or if you are a kid, teaching the other kids. What is one thing you would want to share with them? And let's, let's lower the stakes. You don't have to come up with one amazing thing. So what are a hundred things that you would want to share with them? Sometimes a long list is easier than just one thing. It would be fabulous if you led a session of our kids' program. As we get older, we might not have as much energy as we used to, um, but fortunately we can learn how to have more impact with the energy that we do have. So a few years ago I had uh, a yoga practice. I went to a yoga studio six days a week. And in September was when the new teacher trainees started. So one day I was in triangle pose, kind of like that, and the teacher trainer, trainee came up to me and adjusted my shoulder, adjusted my arm, adjusted my head, adjusted my quad, adjusted my foot, adjusted my shoulder again. And I just felt more awkward than ever, more out of place than I was before. 
right? So felt a little sad, felt dejected after that. But the next time the head teacher taught the class, again, I was in triangle pose when he came over to me. And the head teacher just put one hand, um, one finger on my hip, one finger on my shoulder, made an adjustment. And just like that, I felt aligned and deeper in the pose. So as we learn, we can get more refined and more powerful. Instead of running around doing 10 things, sometimes you can just do one or two things that hit the spot. Instead of having a book with a thousand proverbs in it, perhaps you refine things down to just one or two rules for life. Maybe like, be kind, host potlucks. So this room is full of these life experiences and these learnings. I love hearing your stories, what you've gone through, what you're going through, the truth and meaning that you found and continue to search for. It's a lot of insight in this room. But people don't always ask for your insight. The kids, the people younger than you don't always treat you like Mrs. Nelson. Instead of respecting our elders, we run off looking for something shiny and new. And the advertisements holler new, new, new. The social media algorithms pop out new, new, new. So maybe you're on Facebook or Instagram, but you haven't kept up with what the younger folk are into these days. I have no idea what they're into these days. Um, we can feel invisible to anyone below a certain age. I remember when I was 21 years old, I was at a party, two 24-year-olds were there. And I thought, what are you doing here? <laughs> so there's no social connection between age groups. A three-year age group just felt um, unfamiliar. There was no intentionality in that culture about bringing people together across age groups to be in relationship, to transmit wisdom. The music group, The Who, sang, I hope I die before I get old. Many youth at the time saw older people as squares, as old-fashioned, out of date. There was no understanding that life could continue to be rich as we age. Apparently, life ends when you learn to go to bed at a reasonable hour. <laughs> and Bob Dylan just saw the older generation as in the way. Parents used to teach their kids about technology. For thousands of years, parents taught their children. And then the VCR was invented. <laughs> more and more, it's children teaching their parents. Even if we want to learn from our elders, we don't usually do it by reaching out to our neighbors. We often do it through books. So the printing press did not just democratize knowledge. That was not the only impact. The printing press put our stories down on paper so that we could transmit our stories across generations through books without needing to talk to anybody. The printing press took away a key role of elders. Sure, you might say that's true about mass market subjects, but what about local stories, the stories of your hometown and your street and your neighbors? 
Only our elders can teach us those stories. But I think of the youth group I grew up in, in a UU fellowship. After we grew up, one of us moved to Hong Kong and married a Chinese person. One of us moved to Africa and married an African. One of us moved to South America and married a South American. One of us moved to England. One of us moved to Australia. Maybe one of us stayed in our hometown. And that was kind of what was expected. You grow up, there's a good chance you'll move. And that reduces the commitment to weave local knowledge into your life. Here in Oregon, Oregon is a very popular state for people who move. The pagan writer Starhawk points out that in a redwood forest, there are lichens that only begin to grow on trees <clears throat> when the tree is over 150 years old. She says, by analogy, in groups of people, there are patterns and structures that only emerge over time. So without a connection to elders, we are more likely to be a culture of rolling stones, gathering no moss. It's tempting to blame this loss of connection on the modern economy, treating everything as a commodity that can be used and thrown out. But the pattern goes much further back. This pattern is right there in the fabric of Western civilization. The pattern goes back to Jesus. You could argue that the pattern of abandoning your elders goes back to Abraham, even further back when he was called by God to leave home and found a new people. You could argue that the pattern of leaving home goes back to Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the Garden of Eden. But today is Easter, uh, so let's talk Jesus. Jesus said to a new follower, actually, I want to call him, is it Jesu? Jesus is the imperial name, the Latinized name, is it Jesu? Um, said to a new follower, come with me now. Come with me now. And the new follower said, sure, I just need to check in with my family. And no, said Jesus, you must leave everything you have to follow me. Another new follower said, I just need to complete my father's funeral. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Abandon everything and follow me. Stephen Jenkinson wrote the book, Coming, Come of Age, A Case for Elders. He writes, the West abandons something ancestral and indigenous, something fundamental to its mythic and poetic well-being, when it agreed to be a mascot for all things godly. Its old soul was left in the weeds. When Jesus said, leave everything and follow me, he was cutting off all knowledge of the local, all relationship with ancestors and even parents. The West abandoned something ancestral and indigenous. Heaven is called the kingdom of heaven. It is not called the village of heaven where everyone knows your name. Jesus said to abandon everything, but 50 years after he died, there was still a, a debate about which parts of Judaism to carry forward into the Christian tradition. Circumcision. No, that was dropped. 
prohibiting items of clothing made from two types of fabric. That was dropped. But laws that place limitations on sexuality and gender, they kept those. Those limitations have not only hurt those of us forced to repress ourselves, keeping those rules in place forced elders to teach bad rules, which lessened respect for elders. Respecting your elders had to be enforced rather than being a natural part of the culture. Okay, uh, more about Easter. Let's honor the Easter story by recalling the epilogue of the story. So Jesus dies, is resurrected, and then the disciples are walking along the road to Emmaus when Jesus joins them. And the disciples don't recognize him. Can you imagine that feeling? You teach people, you open up a new way of life for them, you journey with them, and then they don't even know you. Maybe it's poetic justice. He told them, forget your elders. And they couldn't recognize him. It is no wonder so many of us fear that we will be forgotten when we die. Being forgotten is baked into Western culture. Death itself has largely been removed from our culture. Stephen Jenkinson says, we are in the death-prolonging business. The last year of life spent going from medical appointment to medical appointment, avoiding death rather than completing life. UU Minister Forrest Church said, religion is the human response to being alive and having to die. Stephen Jenkinson said that elderhood, the very notion of elders, is only possible if one day, if we are conscious that one day we will die. Last Sunday, uh, with Catherine Warrior's blessing, Megan shared that Alan is close to death. We talked about sharing this, this with you so that the congregation could be with him on this journey. Both remembering, uh, remembering him as he was and being with him as he is. On Thursday, several members of the choir went to his bedside to be with him and sing with him. Alan lay in bed, eyes unable to open, arms so frail, so frail, wearing sleeves to keep them warm. He perked up each time someone said hello and said their name. But he couldn't open his eyes and he could only mumble a response. And choir members sang three songs. Spirit of Life, Meditation on Breathing, and Blue Boat Home. And Alan took it all in, and at the end he extended his arms and he brought his balled up rigid hands together and he applauded. And if it had been a week or two earlier, the, the corners of his mouth would have curled up in a smile. So Catherine is journeying with Alan in this stage of life. So are the kids, the extended family. 
and so are we. In preparation for this sermon, I spoke with several of you who have been part of this church for decades. It was wonderful to hear more of your stories and your perspective. Almost none of you thought of yourselves as elders. So perhaps you're like my grandfather, who told me that he still felt like a young man on the inside. I would invite each of you to give yourself the gift of experiencing elderhood. Uh, we're figuring out what that means together. Stay aware of the larger story that we are all a part of. That's a part of it. Stay aware that everything we do is written into the book of life, even if we are only here for a brief chapter. Don't live in denial of death. Live consciously as a mortal being who joyously greets the new day. So please rise and join in singing or closing hymn number 1000, the first hymn in the Teal Hymnal. Morning has come, number 1000s. <laughs> 